We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you after what was a rough week. Um, Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water and say, yes, this team is good. We're all good. It's all okay. Nothing bad is going to happen to me now. Get eaten by a shark, Jeremy. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Tell me about this uh, shark eating incident. Because I... It sounds pretty intense to be eaten by a shark. I, I Is there a more unpleasant way to die? I don't pooping yourself to death? <laughs> well, you asked. I mean, I'm telling you. I feel like that would be a more unpleasant way. The fact that that's the thing that came to your mind is frightening to me. Well, um, I'm just... It's just a thought. I don't know. You asked. It is, it is a thought that you had. Thank you for yeah. having it and sharing it with our with our audience. That's um, yeah, man. Uh, it felt like this. Uh, well, a week ago, we were, I guess we were like calming ourselves down because things were good. And we were like, well, we shouldn't feel too good because they're never as good as they seem. Um, and now... It's amazing. Only in sports, Jeremy. Only in sports. Can you be at the top of the world one week and then at the bottom of it the next? Um, not quite as bad as getting eaten by a shark, but this was not a great week to be a Knicks fan um, because uh, I think what had been largely a very stable, very solid, very like, okay, things may not be perfect, but you know what? It's okay because of this or that. A um, couple of months since things had been bad um, all of a sudden they're now seemingly topsy-turvy and there seems to be a lot more uncertainty in in the air than at least I feel like there has been and a lot of the long-standing um, issues and gripes and grievances and worries and fears have popped back up again um, all because of I, I think a, a a bad week and it is a very bad week which contains not one not two not three but four losses you joked last week what if they went what if they go one and three well they did not go one and three they went oh and four 
Um, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? I haven't talked to you this week at all about any of this. I mean, where Where are you at uh, mentally? Mentally, I'm good. Or emotionally, <laughs> emotionally, I'm less good. Yeah, but um, listen, I think that if you if you started this week looking at this schedule or last week rather looking looking at this week's schedule and um, you thought, all right, we could see the Knicks win in one game at one game, and they couldn't walk away with that. And listen, they've had losing streaks in this season before. They have a lengthier one. It's obviously a different situation, especially considering how Mitchell Robinson's hurt. But while that is a massive blow to the Knicks pursuit, that can't be everything. I mean, they should have won that the first Toronto game. That was right. That was within their grasp and they lost it. Okay. They lose to the Wizards at home. Okay, um, great. Now Mitchell Robinson's down 0-2 week. They're they're in it for three quarters. Three quarters, John, with the Hawks. And then they go belly up. And then once again, they're in it for three quarters. So a little less, a little less comfortable game, but they came back and then the wheels fell off in the fourth quarter once again. And I think each game on its own presents its own issues, of course, but then when you combine all four of them being consecutively and in the same week, it's just not acceptable. This team is better than that. They simply are. And I know that losing Robinson is going to be a major impact, but there's more work that can be done. I mean, there are teams that are ahead of them in the defensive ratings who simply shouldn't be ahead of them. And I know that a couple games can skew everything, right? Like it just takes 145 points giving up to the Thunder or everything might seem out of whack, but then buckling down. It's a different story. It just, they have to find a way. And I know that they're tired. We'll get into that. I'm sure that has an impact. I'm sure they're exhausted. Listen, they're running on fumes and there are some players who simply just have not been able to get the rest that they might need. And that's a problem. And it's coming out in the opposite end. And, um, now we're seeing losses. Well, let's get into it now because it's a good, a good place to start. Um, <clears throat> So the week that was, we should kind of get into a little bit of the nitty gritty. You mentioned the Raptors game, um, which it seems like a million years ago featured. I I don't know. I guess it was the moment of the year. Uh, it was a pretty cool moment. RJ Barrett streaking down the court for a dunk that sent effectively sent the game into overtime. Uh, they did not pull it out from there. Jalen Brunson had a shot to win it uh, at the buzzer in overtime. Didn't go in. Whatever. It was a loss that I think for as disappointed as people were to watch it, um, it was not understandable, but it was like, it's a bad matchup. This team always plays us hard. They played desperate. They The Raptors, I thought, played well. Um, and the Knicks just didn't make enough plays to win. Okay. It happens, right? It's one loss. Um, and in retrospect, giving up 123 points in an overtime game to the Raptors doesn't seem as bad when you look at what has happened in retrospect. Then you mentioned the Wizards game. And the Wizards game, I think, for me at least, was the first time all season where I felt like this team came out and they were flat from the opening jump. It, was there another game that sticks out to you as being as, as, as bad in that very specific way? Because The game in San Antonio is similar. Which, again, but- I, I kind of... With an asterisk because they were missing Brunson and they were missing Barrett for that game. Yes. You know, no, and, they, they, and they were coming off arguably the most deflating, devastating way to lose a game that a team could possibly fathom. Sure. I'm just saying in yeah. terms of 
the yeah. kind of a hangover in terms of overtime yes. loss game they should have won. The That's difference. Fair. Yes. Differences for sure, but wire to wire win for Washington, which just similar to San Antonio. They just had their foot on the gas pedal the entire game. The Knicks lost that one too. So that so then in back to back games we have because it's funny thinking about this week and you think about all the issues that have come up this season. So we had after the Toronto game, uh oh, the Knicks have problems at home. Uh oh, the Knicks have problems closing. Washington game. Uh-oh, the Knicks are tired because they're so top-heavy and they're running their starters into the ground. And uh-oh, they still can't win at home. Um, this is a problem. And then Mitch goes down. And then we get into the Hawks game. And the Hawks are like... The Hawks game is a reminder of like, uh-oh, um, this like sturdy foundation that the Knicks have built defensively, maybe it's not nearly as sturdy as we thought. And how much is it dependent on one center who happens to be uh, not injury prone? I don't want to, I never want to call anyone injury prone, but like, you know, Robinson's, I don't know. What do you call someone? How do you say someone's injury prone without saying they're injury prone, Jeremy? <sighs> prone to injury. Cause he keeps getting hurt every year. <laughs> it's, like, it's not injury prone. He's prone to injury. You know, he's prone to injury. There it's you go. Different. It's good, there's good, there's clearly big difference. Yes. Um, but like, okay, so, you know, and then fourth quarter issues, um, trying to trying to bring that game home, started off the, the fourth quarter, not not great, uh, which was something that carried over into the last game, which was the the bookend game with the Raptors. Um, another game, very bad defensively, another game could not close in the fourth quarter. And then to bring it full circle. We have the the first instance in a while, I think, of people very, 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 very upset um, about the choices made um, for one player in particular by one coach in particular. And of course, I'm talking about Obi Toppin and the one and only Tom Thibodeau. So like, it's an 0-4 week. And like part of me wanted to come on here and be like, well, it's the Knicks and it could never just be about that they're playing poorly and it always has to be about something more. But the reality is it is about something more because there are issues with this team this season. And the struggle that I always have, not only as someone who always looks for an excuse to defend this coach, which I do, but as someone who tries to take an evidence-backed approach to the year and tries to formulate like ra- grounded reasoned takes. I still look up. They're still ninth in net rating. They're still doing, if you look at the totality of the sample size, they're still doing things well. I mean, it seems like they can't defend their way out of a out of a paper bag, but they're still 13th in defense. And they're somehow sixth in offense, which again, if you would have told me that before the season, I would have called you many names. None of them nice. So like I see that. I see that totality of the evidence. And I see that they are still, what are we, three games, two games above 500? Yeah, two games above 500. Which, if you look around the league and you look at some of the other situations, and I don't have to go through them, just pull up the NBA standings and and throw a dart. You're going to probably land on a team that is woefully under uh, underproducing this year based on preseason expectations. So, like, I'm trying to consider all that. But then to stick your hand in the head in the stand over what has come out of this 0-4 week also seems wrong and disingenuous. So it's a weird place to be. And I don't really know where to go from here other than to agree with you, which is like, be better. Coach better, play better, just be better. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think one of the issues is that 
yes, the Knicks are improving. They are. They have a good record right now. It's important. We can talk about what's what's facing them shortly. But the way that I see it is it almost feels like in, ter- in terms of like an analogy where it's like Tibbs is trying to squeeze as much juice out of this team as he can. But my worry is that he squeezes so much juice out of the team before later on that it, it like there's there's no juice left to squeeze. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of they are playing well. They do have a great net rating. Their offense is fantastic. I'm concerned about if the wheels come off because of the fact that so much is there's so much emphasis on regular season wins on the minutes. Like we came into the season and the thinking was, you know, the Knicks could be a, a, a passably good team. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean like respectable enough. Yeah. We're, we're cool. We can see where the chips fall as they may, but no issues, no problems. It's fine. And the nice thing we, t- we can talk about is that there's depth. If you know that whole next man up next, when one man goes down philosophy, that's great. Yep. Okay. Um, well, Quinn Grimes hurt. Evan Fournier is starting. Well, Fournier is not the answer for the starting two spot. Never was, was placed in that position, but now he's out of the rotation. Okay, Cam Reddish, he's playing and it's just, there's no consistency there. And from all indication, based on Cam and the team, it just seems like there is a mutual agreement. If we can't find a consistent role for Cam, he's not going to play. And there is no consistent role for Cam. So he's just not going to play. Okay, take him back. Derek Rose looks fresh. He's not playing a lot of minutes. Okay, um, interesting. Cool. We'll keep that in mind. I know... Some thought, well, the tips is just trying to keep him fresh for later on. I know I wasn't a little, I wasn't on that team. I thought, no, he just, I think he's just an older player. He gets peeled back, insert Deuce. Deuce has been struggling as of late. So he's getting minutes, but it's what? Five, 10 minutes a game, maybe. Maybe the sweet spot, game, seven yeah. or eight. Yeah, so, okay, well, you've got Deuce in there and, and then Quick is taking a huge step forward. Obi gets hurt. Hartenstein is not nearly as impactful as a center as some may have thought going into the season. Before you know it, you're looking at four or five players that are really even with Mitchell Robinson out. And that's, I didn't even consider, I mean, with four, it's with Manuel quickly being out. Yeah. And it's just, they did and they do, but it's just like at a certain point, this team is running on fumes partially because of the personnel, but also because it's, well, I don't really want this player to play. Okay. Well, we want this guy. Well, no, he's not really the guy that won before you know it. You're looking at, a, you know, five or so six or so players who are really good, but then you, you have to be concerned about what their staying power is as they keep logging these heavy minutes. And I know we'll talk about the trade that unfolded today. It officially, I guess unofficially started the trade market it's the sort of thing where I'd love for the Knicks to make a deal. I think a lot of us would. I think the Knicks themselves would love to make a deal. I think they would too. They've made two early deals the last two seasons. They're one of the earliest ones. So I would imagine it behooves them to do that. They just need the market to also come to them. And that's the tricky part where the Knicks, I mean, it seems like both the front office and Tom Thibodeau are separately and together removing players from the equation that then exposes the players who are still in the equation to the point where they're just exhausted. They're yeah. getting worn down and um, just, just have to hope that these next week, you know, a couple weeks just fly by or a trade gets made. I think and we're going to get to the trade stuff in a second. We're going to, I want to do the personal injury report first. Um, last thing on that. Cause you, you, 
you summarized it perfectly. And like over the course of the season, us and a lot of other people have had separate individual conversations about like, well, can you really blame him for, you know, ushering Fournier out? And can you really blame him for ushering Cam out? And can you really blame him for limiting Deuce's minutes when he's had these struggles shooting the ball? And, you know, can you really blame him? Hartenstein? Yeah, it's a different role. But like this, I think when when you add it all up, it's the totality of it that ha- is a more impactful negative on the coach in that it is not one, it is not two, it is not three. If you were to throw, I didn't even mention Derek Rose. It's not four, it's not five. And then that, that thinking, right? When you have the starters and then you get, again, the one starter that's down in Mitchell Robinson, and then in this in two games later or whatever it is, you have Obi Toppin having his best half of basketball that he's had in probably two months, right? And then to only see three minutes again, we could focus, we could zoom in on the, the we could look at that game. It's like okay, well, the Knicks had it going into the third quarter, and Julius was in there, and he was they were part of the reason why they took the lead going into the fourth, and then Obi was in, and they stopped scoring. So yeah, you could zoom in on that. That's fine, and but like again. The macro, it's tough to do that because it brings back a lot of these like, well, I mean, man, it is clear that he likes his guys and he has his guys and he relies on his guys that he relies on. And the part about that's one part of it, which has always been a big Thibodeau thing. And then the other part of it, which is he coaches the way he coaches. And he has a very set system of beliefs in terms of this is what wins basketball games. And Mitchell Robinson has been a huge part of that because of the things that Mitchell Robinson does that we've, we've been praising him all year. He's had a fantastic year. But but is there a pivot? You know, is there a pivot to the point where when Mitchell Robinson goes out, you don't become the worst defense in the league, which is what they've been this week. They're the 30th ranked defense in the league. And if you go back and you look at their defensive rating when Hardenstein was studying those games, I don't I don't I don't think I ever actually did the sat down and, and did the painful exercise of ranking them for that specific period of time. But I'm pretty sure if I did it for that, when was it back in November? I'm pretty sure they would have been pretty close to dead last then too. So it's like yeah, I could sit here all I want. And ninth in net rating, ninth in net rating, ninth in net rating. Look at the talent, look at the lack of a superstar and 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 try to sing this coach's praises, which you know, part of me definitely does want to do, but the, the 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 complaints are very legitimate. They're very legitimate, regardless of the record, regardless of the data. It's all legit. And um, the reason why I think it's worth us at least having this conversation is because they're in this danger zone right now. And it's a, it'll be a good transition to talking about the injuries. And eventually we'll talk about the upcoming schedule because, man, it's not getting any easier, Jeremy. I don't think. It's definitely not. Um, where's no. the, where's the soft spot coming up? Because I don't see it. It's tough. I, just before we move on to the next segment, I think yeah, the one please. thing to consider with Tibbs is a main reason why Tibbs was brought into the fold was to make the Knicks feel reputable. It's you're, do. you're ushering in a level of competence. And I think that's great. And it's really important. I'm not against that. I think that's a, that, that's a driving factor for what they're looking to do. When it comes to Tibbs, if he's not like if his whole point is to raise your team's floor, and I know I'm saying this 
on the heels of a four-game losing streak and as there's more of a daunting stretch coming up. So there's still time, but even still, like if, if you can't raise your floor with Tibbs, who is a floor raiser, then how, what exactly is he offering you in, in the grand scheme of things? Because It's less about his principles because I think that, again, a lot of the principles he holds dearly are sound. It's just I look at this team and I look at the lack of passing as well, and it just amazes me how flustered they get when they get yeah. double teamed when like but even still like there there aren't a ton of great connectors there but it's weird to me though John cuz they're good passers there are really good passers on this team i think the worst yeah, passer I, I on this team that. i'll push back on that a little bit I'm i don't saying, know if there's great passers on this team but you're right we don't know because of the fact that a lot of the times they're not showcased in a way that we're able well, to see it that's chicken or egg stuff but it's not because the worst passer Why? on the team well the worst pass on the team was cam reddish it is Cam Reddish, and he was completely removed out of the situation. We know Brunson's a good passer. We know that Randall, he gets flustered, and that's a lot of times where it gets in his head, and he struggles, and that's a problem. But he finds teammates, and he makes these incredible cross-court passes. Sometimes his vision can honestly be too reckless, but, but he does a good job of it. Hartenstein was brought in because one of the passer. things he can do. Right, but he, but he doesn't show it, and that's my oh, point. You're right, you're, Obi, you're right about that. You're right he's, about a, that. he's a good passer. He's not been able to really do that. He's not been able to be a connector, a facilitator, really anything. He's often has to make his own luck. Grimes was a point guard in, what, high school? Early days of college? Transition? Yes. Like, the point I'm trying to make here is that there are players who know how to make good reads and that they can find other players if given the opportunity, but it feels as though the opportunities that they have are limited. And I'm I gonna, think that yeah, finish up. I, I just would like it, it goes back to the whole situation of while I understand why Tibbs is here and while I understand long term what they're going for and, and whether that involves Tibbs or not, it just feels like there's a reason why players come here. I've said it before. I'll keep saying it. There's a reason why players come here and they just suddenly don't look like the players they were beforehand. And we could talk about the draft and we could talk about the free agency and the players they acquire via trade. And I just feel as though the front office has the same goals, right? The same goals for the draft are they're going to be in line with the free agent acquisitions. They're going to have a lot of the same core principles to them. So how one could look so good and the other could look so bad is mind boggling to me. And it doesn't feel like it falls on the scouting of the players who we know are capable before they get in the door of New York. And then they're shipped out. And then it's like, well, okay. I mean, look at what Alec Burks is doing. Look at how good he is. He's one of the best half court players yeah. in the NBA. And look at what, and Alec Burks came here and in his first year here. And for the first half of last year, I would argue those were the best year. That was the best year and a half long stretch of his career. And then he got put in a position in which he was not successful, which is right. the starting point guard. And that was a complete failure. Um, right. I'm going to push back on, on a couple things, though. One, I would encourage everybody to go look at the thread that uh, Benji did after the Washington game where they had 14 assists in which he highlighted play after play after play after play in which the pass was there and the pass was not made. Now, you could say, oh, well, you know, that that's on the coach for reasons X, Y, Z. You could say that that's on the players for reasons X, Y, Z. I'm, I, that's between you know, you and your God, um, the passes are there uh, to be made. They don't always make the passes. And I would also push back. I don't think they have great decision makers on this team. I don't think they have quick decision makers on this team, or at least not enough of them. That's that. That's my personal opinion. I'm not even going to disagree with that. It was more just the passing and, ability. Has been, and then that's fine. As far as players coming here, I mean, again, I think Alec Burks came here and had a career year. 
I would actually argue that Nerlens Noel came here and had a career year. I know I obviously fell off a cliff after that, and I think there were some other issues that had nothing to do with anything other than Nerlens Noel. Um, I think you could argue, you know, Derek Rose came in here and had it looked the best he's looked since he was under Tibbs, you know, in in Chicago. And like, how do we have this conversation without talking about Julius Randle, who came here and made an All Star team, and now is once again in the running for an All Star team? I mean, even honestly, even Jalen Brunson. Like, I, again, we all love Jalen Brunson. We all think that you know Jalen Brunson, self made man, the whole thing. He came here and he's in the All Star conversations. A lot of people didn't think he was going to be in that conversation. So for for every talking point about players come here and they don't look like the best versions of themselves, there's another player that you could put forth as evidence against that point. So I think there's a mixed bag there. You know, I think what's very clear, and this is where a lot of people have valid gripes, is that Tibbs has a type. And if you're not a Tibbs type, he's not going to adjust to you. You better adjust to him. And if you can't adjust to him, well, you're fucked. You know, that's a problem. But because, that's essentially what I'm trying yeah, to that's, drive okay. at. That's a problem. It's a big problem. It's his, I would argue it's his biggest fault. Um, the only other thing I, I, I it, just in terms of like the 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 bigger picture, the, the the competence, like you don't again, again, this goes to the point that I made before about the inflexibility or the lack of being able to adjust, which honestly falls. It really does. It's the same conversation about the with a player's conversation that we just had. There is something to be said for if you get, you know, the, the old Bill Parcells line, you know, about giving. You know, if you're going to ask me to cook the meal, let me shop for the ingredients. If you give him the ingredients that he wants, I think he has shown you over the course of his career and certainly in, in New York that he's going to be able to give you a commensurate product that is a, as as solid as anyone would be able to give you with the talent. The issue comes with, well, what happens if that product, if that if that group of ingredients gets tweaked even a little bit? With whether it's a Kemba Walker or whether it's um, we don't have Mitchell Robinson, you know, like that's not that's not a good sign. So it's the same conversation I feel like we've been having for two and a half years. I could sit here and I could argue the ways that he's good. You could sit here and argue the ways that he's bad. Most people are going to agree with you, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Um, but like, it is interesting that two and a half years into this, we're still having the same conversations, you know. But um, there are two different conversations to be had, right? There's the one that Tibbs doesn't know what he's doing. Like, that, that's not even where I'm going at. Uh, Tibbs can yeah, develop talent. He yeah. Clearly, we saw what Julius Randle is able to accomplish, How where he's back. Jalen Brunson, as you're saying, I agree with you. It's, it's that other part where it's so difficult to find players who fit exactly what Tibbs wants yeah. to the yeah. point where he's like, that's my archetype. Yep. Perfect. And now when you have someone who's just askew, as you're saying, it shifts everything out of whack. And it it goes from looking like the Empire State Building to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And God forbid it doesn't just crumble and fall, especially as they go through this next stretch. You're right. That's that's where it's so frustrating. You're right. Because like last what I guess last night. Obi Toppin is having a great game. First double-digit game he's had since early November. Yep. He's just looking in the rhythm. He's taking nice outside shots. He's active. Everything. Barely plays. Adjust. Against a team that doesn't have yeah. a natural five. A, yeah. a traditional five. Barely plays. Uh, and again, partially, not even partially, a lot of that is if the front office isn't going to move on from Tibbs, it makes no sense to have Obi Top in here. Well, and, and that's where I will certainly say I, 
I wish that they would have intervened in some capacity at some point. With that said, still, it's infuriating as a fan to see the eighth overall pick's value be diminished further and further because, well, you're... I don't know what, what that emotion was exactly, but it's, no, it's I, no, the point the of it's like, if they can't, if, if Obi can't get it going when he's doing well, and if he can't get it going because he's not playing well, so he doesn't see opportunities, there is no opportunity for him. I, I, com- I completely agree with everything you just said. The reason I made a face and I nodded my head when you brought up the fact that he's the eighth overall pick, because I think the fact that he's the eighth overall pick doesn't matter anymore. Like, I don't think anybody it, it out should. there. Should it? Yeah. Because of the fact, look at look at the trade. Twenty nine other teams don't care about the fact that he was the eighth overall pick. Twenty nine other teams don't have to care about the fact he was the eighth overall pick. One team should care about it, and it should be this team. It should be this team that chose to invest a prized asset into a player that they wanted to nurture and grow, and they I have ag- just not done that. Yes, I agree with that, and that was it. That is a massive L as of right now that right. they have to they have to take. Regardless of the reason you think that they should, if you think that they should take the L because they made a bad draft pick, if you think that they should take the L because they allowed the this coach to continue to have his job and not prioritize a coach who would, uh, you know, be less stringent in terms of always having a traditional five on the floor, whatever, it's an L that the organization as a whole has to take. I'm just wondering at this point, like, what's done is done. The eighth pick in the draft was used on this player. The fact that he is was the eighth pick two and a half years ago. Sitting here today, I'm not sure how much that ma- that should matter. Whether he was the eighth pick or he was the 25th pick, Obi Toppin could do what Obi Toppin could do. I don't mean it on a like game by game basis of like, oh, that's what the eighth pick should do, or wow, the eighth pick should have done better. It's not that. It's more just a the larger impact of what a prized pick can do for your team and squandering yeah, it sure. in a way that isn't supporting it because that pick should have. That is the reward for a bad season. The Knicks had the sixth worst record, yeah. and that's how they chose to invest their capital. And they should be seeing a better return on the investment of that season, and they're just not. And so, yes, I hear you in that these other teams are not going to care that he's an eighth, round, eighth overall what? pick. But it, it's not... It's about... Can I clarify my point real quickly? It. Sure. Can I, if I invest a million dollars in the stock market and my investment goes down to $200,000... I have $200,000 now. The million is gone. It's gone. I have 200 grand. I need to make a judgment based on my life situation as to what I'm going to do based on the fact that I have 200 grand in the in the stock market now. The million is it's over. It's done with. This is what I have left. That's more my point. I hear that, but and I'm wearing by and, the way, and I'm not top and shirt to 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 show my support of this player. And I'm not disagreeing with it. The point I'm trying to make here is you need to look at what decision process went into the fact that you invested a million dollars into the stock and it took a hit of 80%. That's what I'm trying to understand. Julius Randle. Two words, Julius Randle. And that's great. But if yeah. he but if <laughs> but that's my point. If Julius was capitalizing in a way that they felt he is going to be here long term, then Obi Toppin should have been moved earlier. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, let's get into the the, the injury report. This is good. I'm happy we did this out. I always feel feel like we arrive at a good place when we hash things things out. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, presented by our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. Um, call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100 or visit them at weissandrosenblum.com for more information. Um, no case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is their priority. Consultations are free. And of course, they do not get paid unless you do. Uh, one more time, 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney and not a rookie. Uh, let me tell you, Emmanuel quickly, he's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. He's a third-year player, which is still relatively early in an NBA career. And my Lord, how he has become... Again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the most important Nick. Um, I'm not going to go that far, although the on-off numbers would certainly lend evidence to if you if someone did want to make that argument. But it is just amazing how much he covers up and how much he seems to hold everything together. And more even than that, how his introduction into a game that may not be going well can suddenly seem to turn things around for the better. And that was how it looked um, against the Hawks game, uh, which was the last game he played before he missed this Raptors game. I think he was a, he was a plus something or other for the, for the night in the Hawks game um, on a game when everybody was, was big minus. So um, Emmanuel quickly is listed currently as questionable for the Cavs game on Tuesday. I, if he misses this Cavs game, I'm officially going to get worried, not be, for I, just because like I don't want this to turn into a thing, I'm really hoping it's a one game blip, and that is, yeah, that's where I'm at with it with IQ. It, we're, we're, any anything to add? 
Well, they don't have a lot of healthy bodies, so it'd be nice if one of the ones that Tom Thibodeau relies on could be healthy. That'd be great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Come back soon. Uh, they are missing a third of their of their healthy bodies that that Tibbs feels comfortable relying upon because, of course, Mr. Robinson. Um, this happened since we, yeah, since we last recorded. So the, this injury, so reevaluated in three weeks, uh, which as you should, anybody listening should know from just watching the NBA and paying attention to this stuff. Reevaluated in three weeks does not mean return in three weeks. Just as a point of comparison, Obi Toppin, it was initially said he would be reevaluated in two to three weeks and he was out for a month. Um, given the fact that the All Star break is when it is, and there are four games, I believe, between what would be the, the three week mark and then the All Star break, which would give him an additional week, I'm not planning on seeing Mitchell Robinson before the All Star break. Are you? <laughs> Not a doctor, but I guess not. I mean, what three? All right, let's see. Three weeks would be around. I think he'd come back around the trade I, deadline. I, There's another week and a half of basketball, or a week or so. Yeah, I would agree that the first game after the All Star break that gives him a month or so. Yeah, the surgery happened. Sorry, let me just make sure I get this correct. The injury, it, the injury happened on the 18th. The surgery happened on the 19th. So three weeks from the 19th is the 9th. That is trade deadline day. And then between trade deadline day and the, then there's six days more worth of games between that and the All Star break. So then like, there's only two weeks in a day between the All between that trade deadline day and the Knicks next. Game after the break, after right? also break, yes. So I mean, yeah, he could be out longer if 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 they're reevaluating in three weeks. But I hey, think they're going to give him the five weeks, and I think we're going to see him after the All Star break. That's my best guess. Um, let's hope. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll surprise us. We'll, we'll, you never know. Okay. Can I add one more injury report? Sure. Player? Yeah. I feel like we don't talk enough about the team that is also really important to the Knicks, which is the Dallas Mavericks, who oh. lost Christian Wood. Same night, actually, yep. due to a thumb injury. So, um, but a simple, a, a not as severe an injury. Not nearly as severe, but they've been losing games. Don't look now, but I think they're only two games back of the 11th seed in the West. I'm pulling it up right now. So, um, yeah, you know, just again, they, they're in a tough spot because the Knicks own their pick. I don't see them doing a lot of big time moves because of how the pick impacts their entire team and their future. So something just to consider. I don't know if they're really going to do much to... Yes, as Andrew points out, everyone's two games out of the 11th seed in the West. But the reason I'm saying that is the Mavs have been on a bit of a slide. I think they're three and seven in their last 10. They are three and, and seven in their last 10, yes. And this is a team that is only now two games back of being the 11th seed. So they were, high, they were riding really high. And now they're suddenly dropping a bit and it'll be interesting as other teams maybe get better because they have the capital or are willing to get better this season to see where the Mavs wind up. Same record as the Knicks 25 and 23. They are as close. They are in fifth, but they are as close to 11th as they are to fourth, which is what Andrew was implying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, mm, that would be a juicy That'd be a nice thing to get if that pick could be a decent pick. I'm still, I don't know if I'm counting on it yet. I, I don't know what to make of the West right now. Um, but that, that's a good job by you bringing that up. Um, only other thing we want to do before we get to our other categories and and uh, finish up with all that stuff. Uh, talk a little trade. So uh, as you mentioned already, NBA trade season unofficially kicked off today with the move of Ruby Hachimura 
um, former, was he ninth or 10th? I forget. Ninth. Ninth. He was that one pick ahead of Cam Reddish. That's right. Um, in Cam Reddish's draft. Uh, was sent to the Lakers for not one, not two, but three second round picks, one of which is uh, certainly going to be a juicy pick. The the Bulls second round pick, you figure it's going to, I don't know, could be in the 30s. We'll see um, this upcoming draft. And then also, I believe a distant Lakers pick that is a second rounder in like 2029. And then um, another pick where it's either one of, I believe, Washington's or the Lakers picks in a in a another year. Um, I gotta be honest with you, Jeremy. I, I one just in a vacuum. I thought three second rounders for a guy who was like very clearly not in Washington's plans moving forward. I I, I thought the Wizards did pretty good to get three seconds, including what's I think a pretty good second rounder. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, there's an obvious effect on Cam Reddish. One, because if the Knicks were looking to move Cam Reddish for second rounders and Rui got three, what does that say about what they could get for Cam? If that is indeed the direction they want to go for Cam. Two, the Lakers were seen as a camp suitor. This takes them off the table. Um, And I guess in conjunction with that, if the Lakers aren't going to be a Cam suitor, um, does the team that winds up acquiring Cam Reddish, is that going to be more of a deal where the Knicks are um, acquiring talent to help them now as opposed to future assets, which is what this trade was about? So take take it away. I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. Well, I'm with you in terms of I thought the Wizards did okay, just all things considered. You know, supply and demand with this deadline is going to be fascinating because there are a lot I of can't teams. Wait for it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There, there's so many teams that have players available, especially wings and um, slightly larger guards, to the point where I think the Wizards were smart to get ahead of this as much as they could. You know, Hachimura was clearly unhappy. He had a comment the other day, just wants to be valued as a basketball player. And I thought they did fine. I thought for the Lakers, it's no skin off their back. Kendrick Nunn wasn't going to give them much. They were playing too small. They needed some size. Hachimura is a good defender. His offense a little shaky. There's still some room for improvement there. But I was fine with it for both teams. Naturally, yes, I thought, how does this impact me and my favorite team? And the way I saw it was, yeah, it probably does take Cam Reddish out of the equation because the Kendrick Nunn salary would have been the ideal one. I think if you're the Knicks, if you didn't want Nunn, probably a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't need his talents. You have other players who are capable. Number two, uh, well, if you wanted to flip him, there's now pressure on you to move him for someone, probably someone with a salary next year, but not two years down the line. Because if you're still in line with how you want to navigate with the trade, um, that's a certain factor. Yeah, you know, I mean, just from the Lakers standpoint, I think the really interesting angle that I haven't seen anyone talk about there's all this talk of the Lakers trying to be a team with cap space. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen now because Hachimura's cap hold, even if it's reduced, I mean, he'll sign for less than his cap hold will be. Someone brought the, Jake Fisher brought this up in his Yahoo article. Okay. Haven't read the article yet, but, yeah. but he's the first person glad, that I glad saw. He, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Like that's going to be a factor. And it makes me wonder how are they going to approach Beverly? How are they going to approach Westbrook? Because they kind of need to trade at least one of them for future salary because they're going to just have a very small amount of cap space to work with, which isn't really tenable. Do the Knicks come into play there? Probably not. I'm sure some are thinking, well, Evan Fournier could go there. And yeah, that's certainly an option, but 
I still think the best thing for them to do is probably to move Westbrook to a place like the Spurs, to a place like the Pacers for diversified talent, turning one into two or three. So that's just, I'm glad everything shook out. Finally, we have a breakthrough here. Just means that the Camerata's trade gets narrower and narrower in terms of the destination. But should we talk about the other trade or scuttlebutt, so to speak, that came about today? Yeah, sure. And before we, so the, the other scuttlebutt, courtesy of uh, Michael Scotto, a friend of the pod uh, from Hoops Hype, is that the Knicks and Bucks have talked, Cam. Uh, Bucks have been a team that uh, Ian Bagley has been reporting as having interest in Cam Reddish along with the Lakers, uh, Heat, and am I missing one? Those are the only, the only th- those are the three teams that have been mentioned. I think those are the three teams that have been mentioned. Um, anyway, so Grayson Allen, uh, Grayson Allen, eight point five million this year and next year, fully guaranteed. So falls in line with the plan to have cap space in twenty twenty four. Grayson Allen also, you would think, is a guy who would come in and talk about Tom Thibodeau sorts of guys. Oh boy, doesn't get much more Thibodeau Thibodeauian than uh, Ted Cruz um, himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. I don't I don't really know what to say about this other than like with where our understanding of what Cam Reddish's market is right now, which is to say there is not much of one. Um, if they could get a useful guy who is a salary for them next year and could come in and maybe contribute, but at the same time, like you don't have to worry about needing to give Grayson Allen a certain amount of minutes. Like if he comes here and he plays 15, 20 minutes a night, like that's fine. Um, I'm probably famous last words. I don't mind it uh, as a, as a, you know, and it sounds like the bucks are the ones who are perhaps being resistant to this. Could be. They could also just be looking for the right deal, taking their time. Uh, One thing that's kind of relevant three minutes ago, Jake Fisher tweeted. I was, yeah. Interesting wrinkle here. Have learned a Phoenix, Milwaukee, Washington three-team concept that would have sent Rui Hachimura to the Suns, Jake Crowder to the Bucks, and three seconds plus salary to Washington helps set the price for the Lakers' acquisition of Hachimura. So the, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, the implication is that the plus salary part of that would have been Grayson Allen. Yeah, even when the Eric Gordon rumor to Milwaukee would have happened like that also would have had because Milwaukee allegedly offered four second round picks for great for yeah, Eric Gordon. And, 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 and it would have been very dicey to amalgamate, the, uh, not amalgamate. That's the wrong word to, to, to cobble together that much salary to, to get to Gordon's number. Cause he has right. a high number, right? He's earning about 19 million. So if you're trying to think about, well, what salary would be going there? I'm guessing it would be number one for sure. Grayson Allen. The second one that I think would be interesting would, would it be Joe Ingles? Because those two together, but here's the thing: what? Who else would it have been? Well, uh, Steiny had something on this uh, when he because he was originally on this a few weeks ago. That you, I mean, you could. I think it would actually have to be a four to one, unless you got. I don't even know how you get creative, creative enough to avoid that. I mean, they have the little salaries, yeah, but but four to one in season trades are like. Now you're involving San Antonio. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's tough. But that's the thing. Ingles is the only one who's an expiring salary who would that would fit with what Houston probably wants. They don't want to take on long term money. But regardless, the Grayson Allen factor is fascinating to me because a lot of people are probably going to be scratching their heads thinking, why would the Bucks, a contender, want to get rid of Grayson Allen? He clearly must not be good if they want to get rid of him. And the answer, as it often 
is, is money. It would be a tax saving move for one thing. Um, they could also move Serge Ibaka through this deal. The Knicks have matching salary and roster spot they could do with Svi Mikhailuk. That could certainly help too. To me, the way I see it, like I don't really want Grayson Allen because he's not my favorite person. I, I think you could do better in terms of a player as well. A lot of it comes down to the salary. And I think the Knicks are kind of, I don't want to say boxing themselves in, but it becomes tougher and tougher to find that type of matching salary that works, right? Because I I actually would like Eric Gordon for the right price, but I would like yeah. Eric Gordon on this team. He is earning, as I said, around $19 million. So what does that mean? It means you have to find a way to match that salary. Well, Cam is about $6 million, but are you moving Fournier? Well, he's got the extra year of guaranteed money, so that's probably going to cost you. He hasn't been playing much, so I would imagine... His value isn't great at the moment. And we could probably all agree on that. So it's Derek Rose. Well, then there's the report of Derek Rose wanting to be moved to a a team that will be doing right by him. That's what the Knicks want to do. They want to do right by Derek Rose in this case. So that's a buyout to me. Right. So it's either he gets bought out and his contract is, you know, for the team option, it's extinguished and he moves to whatever team he wants, or he gets traded on this salary to a team that he wants to be on. But then you have to find the right team with the right salary. It's it's a lot. Here comes Grayson Allen. You could just match with him and Cam Reddish one-on-one. It's a lot easier. And, you know, This is someone who is a great catch-and-shoot player. Last season, um, I think of the was it like players who take at least 75 pull-up threes. Grayson Allen had the fourth best three-point percentage of all of them. Yeah, this isn't the game me. against us. Exactly. And this isn't me trying to talk people into Grayson Allen, right? Again, he's not my preference, Well, but he, hold on. But, he, but he fits with a lot of what the Knicks would be doing from a team dynamic, but also from a salary aspect, which is that if they want 2024 cap space, he gives you exactly that. If you had the opportunity to move him this season, this off season, you don't have to worry about, Hey, do we extend him? You know, is he going to be a free agent? He's already under contract. You can move him. No strings attached. So there's a lot more flexibility that comes with this contract. The issue is it's Grayson Allen and a lot of people don't yeah, like Grayson Allen. Can we just for a second, like I know he's arguably the most unlikable guy in the NBA and I totally I agree with that. Um, I don't like him. You don't like him. Nobody likes him. Grayson Allen's a good basketball player. I understand he couldn't really stay on the floor for the Bucs against the Celtics in their series last year. Um, yes, he has a punchable face, Andrew Claudio. Thank you for reminding me. Um, okay, great. So is he a guy that's going to you, you want on the floor in a conference finals? No. Is he a guy that could give the Knicks 15 to 20 minutes a night that would really, really help them right now? Absolutely. And um, who drafted you know, him? What's that? Who drafted him? A uh, guy who's drafting players for the uh, New York Knickerbockers at the moment. Um well, parent. So, yeah, like there's that connection. Uh, who's he represented by? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, certain agency over in, over in California. Uh, yeah, so like there's reasons to think that this could happen. I have a feeling where we're going to wind up and I have a feeling you share this feeling is the Knicks are going to get the best thing that they could get without giving up a protected first round pick. And it's going to be like what salary ends up going out, you know, which second or how many seconds is going to be much and any and, and which specific player they get back. 
is going to be less important to them than the best deal that they could make, which I think to some extent would be in line with this with how this front office has operated. The the last thing I want to say, unless there's anything else you want to add before we move on, I did think it was interesting that again in the report that Jake Fisher just had, essentially Jake Crowder and Ruby Hachimura, <clears throat> excuse me, would have been a straight up swap for the Suns. That's Kind of how I took that, unless maybe the Suns were thrown in one of the seconds that would have gone to Washington. Whatever, we don't we don't know that. Um, if that's Jay Crowder's value right now, which again, Jay, Jay Crowder could be on a beach sipping my ties right now. For all we know, we don't we don't know what Jay Crowder's doing or what kind of game shape he's in. If he's in any kind of game shape, we have no idea. If that's Jay Crowder's value, it is. Honestly, it's very similar to like what I think a lot of people in the Cam Hive think about like Cam. It's like like if you could get him for that cheap, I'm almost surprised he hasn't been moved and some team hasn't been like, you know what, let's let's go get Jay Crowder because I mean, I hope I'm not egregiously offending the, the Cam Hive by saying this, but the difference between Jay Crowder and Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish hasn't done diddly squat in a meaningful basketball game in, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. He had, he had one nice series for Atlanta. I, can't, I don't want to I don't want to cast aspersions. Um, Jake Crowder has been in a lot of big games and has played well in a lot of big games. And he knows how to be a playoff player. He's a guy who you could stick on the floor, you know, multi-positional defender. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little surprised, I guess, that his value is sunk so low. That's all. Well, again, I think it's just supply and demand. Uh, just based on the fact that, you know, the Suns are holding out for a good offer. And mind you, I, I don't know what the Suns would have done in terms of the pick comp or whatever, but I think it's worth noting that the Suns haven't made a second round pick since James Jones has taken over, which is fascinating to me. They just don't care for them. But in the sense of, you know, they're holding out. If you had to ask, if you gave truth serum to Raphael Stone of the Houston Rockets and said, hey, you know that offer where you got for four second round picks for Eric Gordon? Knowing that Rui Hachimura went for three seconds, are you are you cool with that? Are you still holding out for a first? I think the difference is that all reports are indicating that the Knicks are comfortable slashing the price, right? They're getting more realistic for with what they can get for Cam Reddish. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these other teams are like, well, let's hold off. Maybe someone will surprise us. And there's just so many players on the market that it's going to dilute what they get back. And I think that the Knicks trying to lower the the cost of Cam Reddish is them saying, Yoo-hoo, we want to get out of this. We want to be done with this. We don't want to hang on to him. We want him to do whatever he can do, wherever he can be. We don't want to keep trying to wait for time to keep going and going. We want to get this player off of our hands and into your hands as soon as possible. That's why you can get him for the low, low price of two second round picks. <laughs> because if they feel like they can do a lot better than that, then they're not going to be able to trade him. And they still haven't been able to trade him. And there still might come a point where the price goes down even further. And again, they will move him because keeping him would be the antithesis of everything that they're trying to do from a, from a salary standpoint of paying him. And he wouldn't resign for a multiple year contract. I wouldn't blame him. He clearly doesn't have a role in New York. But that's why it's just so fascinating to me what these next few weeks will be because I think that they're teams who are really thinking that they will walk out of the deadline with, you know, their gold just falling out of their hands. Like they can't hold on to that many coins. They're using their shirt to to hold all these gold coins in and they just, you know, they'll get to a point where it's like that scene in trading places where there's like sell 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 because it's just panic. And 
And, and there's enough wild card teams still out there who nobody really knows what the Jazz are going to do. Nobody really knows what like the Bulls are going to do. Like Caruso's name has been out there. Like are the Bulls going to keep Caruso? The Bulls going to sell. Okay, so a lot, a lot to a lot to look forward to. We'll be on top of all of it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What's going on, Knicks fans? This new year, you've got goals, and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 35 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36 plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. In just two minutes, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor because each meal is prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. You know that your Factor meal has all of the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select vegan plus veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, there really is no easier way to eat well. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Don't hesitate. Head to factor75.com filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Let's give out our, our usual end of the week awards, uh, starting with Game Ball. Candidates. I didn't forget to read them, Andrew. Candidates for Game Ball. RJ Barrett. Solid, solid week. This is what Andrew wrote. He wrote solid first with a capital S, and then he wrote solid again with all caps. Needed to write that. Point of emphasis, <laughs> including the dunk versus Toronto, and now he's adding something else, which I'll read after he he he. Um, uh, oh, someone needed to praise RJ. Uh, I think that was meant for me. I think that was meant for me. Uh, Julius Randle, rebound machine. Jalen Brunson. Since last recording, he's been he was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, did not have the best week since that. Uh, the New York Giants. Lots to be proud of if you're a Giant fan, and then. Um, I I, I want to give it to this person, but I feel like I Andrew's prodding me to go in a different direction. DJ Zulo. So anybody who doesn't know who DJ Zulo is, DJ Zulo is the newest member of the KFS team. Um, he is going to be doing some uh, film work for us, um, probably focused on previewing opponents that are set to play the Knicks and looking at at them, film breakdowns, statistical breakdowns. He's put out a few already. 
awesome, amazing stuff. Uh, some some funny moments in some of his clips as well. He's great. Really, really, really great eye for the sport. Great mind for the sport. So shout out to DJ Zulo, newest member of the KFS team. I think he gets all of our communal game ball. Can we do that? Um, and we'll pick a player in addition to to DJ. Um, okay, fine, Andrew. You baited me. I will give my game ball to RJ Barrett. I was very hard on RJ Barrett after the uh, Toronto game, even though he had 30 points on 18 shots. He was... <laughs> He was good. He was good. I do want it noted for the record that I did. He was my two star player of the weekend in today's newsletter. Um, he did have the big moment against Toronto. His offense has really come around. His offense has come around in a significant way uh, this season after a, a rough start. He's rebounded um, offensively after his most recent injury. Didn't take him that long to get back in the groove of things. I like where RJ's out offensively. I'm not worried about RJ's offense. His shot looks good. Every a lot of stuff he's doing looks good right now. There is something about this player that gets under my skin. His particular mistakes. You just hate Canadians. Yeah, that's clearly what it is. Yeah. And 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 a lot of it is just rooted in the fact that he has, I would argue now for the third consecutive season, regressed defensively. He was a really good defender as in his second year. He was a pretty good defender last year, and he's been a bad defender this year. And I don't know what that's about. Um, I would like it to get corrected. If that gets corrected, I I will I will sit here and give all the game balls in the world to RJ Barrett. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're agreeing first and foremost that DJ Zulo, who creates yes. great content, number one, and now we're number picking one. whoever's below. Now we're picking whoever's below. Okay. Cool. So. Um, I'm going to go with the New York Giants. And the reason I'm going to go with the New York Giants is because I feel as though when the Knicks have undefeated weeks and we say nobody for detention, that's fair. So it's only right that when the Knicks go 0-4, nobody gets the game ball. (laughs) So I'm going to go with the New York Giants. Phenomenal season. I was expecting as a Giants fan, just a a tank and a disgustingly bad putrid season and that giant toilet they call MetLife and um, Daniel Jones. I'm sorry. I pegged you as an investment banker. I thought that was what your future was going to be. Oh, wow. And maybe there is still time for that in your second career, but your first career is going really well. Game of his life against Minnesota. A lot to be proud of. I'm really happy as a Giants fan and eager to see where they go from here. So, uh, yeah. It's, It's Ace, DJ Zulo, and then it is the Giants, and that's it. But yeah, RJ had a nice week. He did. Um, detention, candidates, Tom Thibodeau, which Andrew writes, bruh. <laughs> Isaiah Hardenstein, all caps, bruh. Canada, sick of this country and their basketball team, yes. And then, of course, <laughs> Shannon Sharp. <laughs> Jeremy, you're up first. Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, yeah, the Shannon Sharp situation, very bizarre. Uh, I don't it, it, you know, I'm not even gonna say anything about Raptors fans because they'll come at my neck. They they seem like good people, and then I'm surprised at the reactions that they have online. But whatever, I digress. I would say I gotta go with. Hmm, I'll go with Tibbs. I will go with Tibbs. Just in line with the thinking from before. Look, I think the larger aspect here is it's all about adjustments. 
there's time for the Knicks to adjust. The problem is that the time that they have is going to come against really intense competition. Yeah. And as trade deadline rolls around, I think about Rui Hachimura and I think about how he's saying he just wants to feel appreciated as a basketball player. And he got his wish. He's on a new team. He's got a new lease as a basketball player. I'm really happy for him. And I think about Obi Toppin and I think about how the difference is that Obi Toppin plays in front of Julius Randle, who is really behind good. Julius Randle. Sorry, plays behind Julius Randle, who's a phenomenal player. I understand why he's playing behind Julius Randle. It's the other stuff. It's the, it's the part where he's not able to get action even when he is playing well, as I talked about earlier, where Obi's been nothing but a pro. I mean, all these guys who haven't gotten minutes, they have been yeah. pros, pros, and I applaud them for it. But for someone like Obi, it just, it angers me. It just, it just does. It, it really bothers me. And um, again, this is on the front office to find a solution, whether it is change the head coach, which is not going to happen this season, or it is on moving the player, which may also not even happen this this season, which means we go into the off season with Obi Toppin a year before he's eligible for an extension. Really, he would be eligible for extension in in October. And um, no clue what his value is on the open market because he just doesn't really get the opportunity. And he can't seize the opportunity because even when he tries, it's not there. So um, Tibbs wears that. The front office obviously wears that too for enabling Tibbs for coaching. But I just based on an 0-4 week and everything going on, Tom Thibodeau, you have detention. Um, I wish I got angry about that. It would make my job a lot easier. Why not? Why doesn't it make me angry? Yeah. That has to do with my personal issues of why I support Tom Thibodeau. That is neither here nor there. But I hear that. But can't you understand his the method to his madness and still be frustrated that someone like Obi isn't getting the opportunity that that he, he like there's just no opportunity available to him whether he plays well or doesn't but it's specifically when he plays well i mean no <laughs> i don't get frustrated by it I'm just being honest that's fine I, that's where we differ i, <laughs> I know that's where i differ from 95 percent of nick fans which is Great that I host the Knicks podcast. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, there are some things I'm just going to be on a different page about, and this is this is just it's always going to be one of those things. Um, I'm not giving detention to anyone on on Andrew's list. I'm giving it to Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet has scored 28 or more points ten times this season. Four of those times has come against the Knicks out of 39 starts, and um, in games that he has scored at least 28 points, the Raptors are five and five overall. They are three and one um, against the Knicks. I don't know what the fuck Fred Van Vliet's been doing all year against other teams. I don't know why he saves it for us, but it's just really frustrating and I'm putting him in detention. Uh, just quickly about the Raptors. I'm at this point where I really want them to blow it up because it means that they're not going to be a good team. And yet part of me is like, well, if they just keep it together, they're just destined to be kind of like mid forever. Like the, the individual players they have, their front four, fantastic. Together, for whatever reason, it's not clicking. Why not just keep working with that? And then, because Windhorst talked about how fascinating it was that they turned all of their championship players basically just into precious Achua. Like they lost Kyle Lowry, he became Achua. There's so many other players. What it was like Ibaka, I think. Ibaka, Gasol, Gasol, Kawhi, obviously. Right. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I like the Van Vliet option being in the detention. That's a good one. 
All right. Um, here we go. The streak continues. Predictions. Um, after starting the year off 7-0, and right? Jeremy, you started no, 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 no. I was 6-0. and And then you won. Okay. You won two or three. And then I won one. And now, well, here we are at seven. And Whatever. Five. It's seven and five. We're in the thick of it. Now, now it's a race. Now it's a race. It's like, it's like a Nick game. <laughs> it's, it's now a game, uh, but you're still up seven to five. Um, I won last week by going with two and two. You went three and one. I wish you had won the week, but alas. Um, okay. Who do they play this week? Uh, they play Cleveland uh, coming up today. As you are listening to this at home, then they go on the road to face Boston on Thursday. Um, I'm not reading that, Andrew. Then he, uh, on TNT, and then uh, Saturday uh, on I get is that game still on ABC? I guess it is still on ABC. Uh, that's at Brooklyn. That's a 5:30 start. Um, mm. can I just say that I don't envy you at all? Really? Yeah. Because you think I'm picking between 0 and 3 and 1 and 2. I do. Yeah. Um, I think I don't envy you because I'm going to go 1 and 2. I think they're getting one of these wins. I would have gone 1 and 2. I feel pretty good about that. It's fair. It's fair. Um, I'll go and 3. You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, listen, having said that, they'll probably go 2 and 1 because last week I joked about 1 and 3. Yeah. Would have won. But uh, yeah, just tough schedule, and they're missing Mitchell Robinson. Would you have gone one and two? I would have. Okay. Do you, uh, what game do you think is the likeliest game that they win? I don't know that I have an answer for this. Yeah, um, Jared Allen's healthy, correct? Uh, Jared Allen, I think, is healthy. Donovan Mitchell, I I keep looking for updates. He's missed the last couple of games with a groin issue that they seem to be taking a cautious approach with. So I can actually help here. What? Because yeah, I already did the pregame pod for tomorrow. So Donovan Mitchell's injury is a is a groin injury. Um, yeah. and they haven't had like two days off in a row in the last twenty five days. So the fact that they got these two last two days off Sunday and Monday off means is why they had, they took it easy with Mitchell. And according to Justin Rowan, who will be the pregame pod uh, guest tomorrow, who okay. does the chase down podcast for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, he's expected to play. Okay. There's supposed to be as close to full health as possible tomorrow, which includes Jared Allen, Jeremy. So with that said, I think it's actually famous last words, the Nets. Seeing Heather without Kevin Durant. Claxton, though, has been phenomenal this year. Kyrie, his last five quarters has been crazy good. Unbelievable. Um, it'll be fascinating to see which of these games they can win. But yeah, I would have put the Nets game as the one being that, the case. I, I don't feel great about any one of these games. I, I, I think somehow I think they're going to get one. I don't know how I think they're going to get one, uh, but we shall see. And if they don't get one, boy, this is going to be a fun podcast to do a week from now. Um, all right. Before we go, a quick announcement. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to take this one? Sure. As you listen to this on Tuesday, tomorrow being Wednesday, there will be an episode of Cream. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Come prepared with your questions. Excited to answer them. And I believe we'll do 7 p.m. So, yeah, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in and we'll have some fun.
Giddy up. Uh, it's about to get fun. Um, I do. I, I think it's going to be a, an interesting next couple of weeks. I think there, I think there's going to be a lot of trades. I don't think there's going to be any monumental trades, but I think there's going to be a lot of trades. And I think the Knicks are going to make at least one trade. And I would not. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if they made multiple trades. I'd be surprised. Would not be shocked. I don't think. But we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, come with your questions for Jeremy. Um, He's obviously the best. Thank you, Jeremy Cohen, as always. Thank you, Jeremy. For your insight and expertise. Of course. Um, Andrew Claudio, who's not feeling well, thank you for being on the ones and twos and for uh, insulting me in uh, the Google, in our shared Google Doc and in our chat throughout the episode. I appreciate that. And thank you, of course, out there for listening to another episode of the Next Phone School podcast. Uh, we will be back with more fun and games very soon. Don't forget, check out the pregame pod with Andrew and the aforementioned uh, Justin Rowan focusing on the Cavs before the Cavs game and then, uh, you know, post game and uh, onwards we go. All right. Talk to you soon. Peace out. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com